1: Madison to his left, and Madison now on a run. Solly trying to get back there. Bowers gone across, fall into the box. Looking for Tony, he's gonna find him. No, great defending by Page. Oh, he's given a penalty. Oh, I don't believe it. He's given a penalty against Page on Tony. It's an utter disgrace. That is a huge, utter, utter huge break. call. I am not convinced whatsoever. Oh, and he, oh. you knew well, that, you knew yeah, that was a yeah, decision. I knew. Yes, I know. It's a great ball in from Madison invited the header from Tony. It just looked like Tony died for it and Page is right next to him. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced there was a push whatsoever. Side by side, side by side. I'd have to see that again, but I don't think that's even close. It's so cruel on Charlton, so cruel. Peterborough have defended for their lives. There's another block before that from Eribo. And now Peterborough with the penalty. It's a huge call from referee. He's got to be certain, and I'm not no, sure. No way, me... he's just got to be, he's just doing it for effect, that's all he's doing. That's all he's got in his logo. he's got no no refereeing now whatsoever. And it's going to be Cummins, who'll take this penalty on 88 minutes, and scores. An utter, utter disgrace.
2: So good evening and welcome uh, to Channel Life. Fair to say Terry didn't take that well no, that, that, that last minute penalty. Right, my name is uh, Louis Mendes. Thank you for joining us here live on Maritime Radio for the big match preview. Joining me here <coughs> in the studio um, is uh... <laughs> sorry, just one of them. Sorry, just finishing my krisp sauce. Um, delicious, those. yeah, yeah, salt and vinegar. Um, just uh, joining us here in the studio is uh, Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you, doing, Tom?
3: Alright. Yeah you just about calmed down. Yeah, from yeah, it took a while.
2: Yeah, from the from the game or the bonus scandal. Uh, a bit of both. Bit of Although both. the bonus doesn't affect me directly, so uh we,
3: we say <laughs> is it directly indirectly. Yeah. Is I,
4: that, know, I know I'm paper bag, you know yeah. work at the club and that.
2: But, uh yeah. yeah. Uh, more of the game. Yeah, joining the pair of us of course is uh, is nothing. Hey Dan knife Living the dream, mate. Living the dream, it's gonna cost you what? <laughs> don't, don't worry, uh, right on tonight's show uh, We will discuss the uh, the latest scandal to come out of SU7 uh, There's a new one every week Which is why we have to come on twice a week Just to discuss them uh, The bonus scandal, the uh, the, the club's staff have not been paid bonuses That they say they have been promised uh, They have now written an open letter to Roland Duchatelet uh, So we'll talk about that We'll also talk about Tuesday's game uh, with the Posh uh, Which we lost <coughs> Oh, excuse me, and then we'll talk about Plenty of other stuff. We'll look ahead to uh, Saturday's uh, game with Fleetwood. We're going to hear from members of the women's team as well. But first of all, let's go straight on to the bonuses. Tom, you take over from here because I can't talk.
3: <laughs> yeah, you just uh,
5: <laughs> sort yourself out. Oh,
3: We there. What, what do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> right, so
2: um, obviously it's been... Charlton have hit the headlines again this this week for all the wrong reasons as they mm. pretty much do every week, it seems. Uh, and this week, the the, the the bonuses that the staff claim they've been promised and, you know, there's no reason not to believe them. Uh, it's, it's come to light that they haven't been paid by Roland de I mean, first things first, I mean, th- this doesn't seem like a fair way to treat your loyal staff.
3: No, nah, and it's, um, it's another thing in a very long line of issues that have gone on. But this one seems to have hit home with people a lot more than some of them because, as you say, it's affecting hard-working individuals who... You know, aren't on hundreds of thousands of pounds. They're, they're people who earn your your average wage, some possibly less than that, and they've worked very hard to meet targets that they were told would result in bonuses, as I understand it. They've hit those targets, again, as I understand it, and not been paid those bonuses. So I, I don't know from a legal standpoint where anybody sits in all this, but it seems very murky to me that, that those people who have been promised those bonuses are now not getting them. Again, we, we'll go into the letters, and apparently everything that roland is doing is contractually accurate um but yeah it seems to me a a very difficult situation and and a lot of people understandably have taken the side of the employees
2: yeah well the only thing i will say i I can't imagine that this would have gone public unless the you know and and, (laughs) and having taken legal advice unless the staff feel that they are entitled (laughs) legally to, to, to what's happened now um you know to give it some sort of timeline so we saw on uh, I think it was monday evening it started coming out in the in the daily mail the story about the lack of bonuses um uh, to which you know, we uh, it was on tuesday and we all asked for you know comments from the club and we were told uh that, that the club would be speaking to the staff or uh before any comment was made so then we saw on on the wednesday morning the night after the peterborough game an email came round from Roland Duchatelet had plenty of stuff in there, including a a brief takeover update, but the main headline from this particular story is the fact that he's decided that these bonuses will not be paid, uh, and he says due to the the poor financial health, for example, of the club. Now, I think think they say that in the region of £10 million was lost in the club last season. Now, We already knew that was going to happen. Hmm. Chulton do not make a profit and they never have and they never will. So surely any insensitised bonus would not have been based on Chulton somehow turning in a profit. The only way we could have turned in a profit is if we sold every single player that we owned.
4: Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's quite clear to everyone why we had a (laughs) a bad season on the pitch and bad season financially last year because of a certain someone um, being at the helm and obviously I mean in terms of yeah, if, if we were going to make, it was a bad bad season financially, yes, but these ain't profit-based targets. These are like incentivised target, targets and obviously team KPIs, so to speak. So, and like Tom said, if they've done that, so these workers have worked <coughs> their bums off, you know, all year, which I think a lot of people might not even understand how much work goes into the behind the scenes for everyone to enjoy this football club. And then all of a sudden, as they work hard, hit their targets, which, you know, they've more than totally earned. And then all of a sudden, he says, oh, no, you're not getting it. To me, you can say, like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to reduce, you know, allegedly on the the electricity or whatever and cleaning or whatever. But these people are the the core of, of, if you want to call it a business, but it's a football club. These are the core people that make it run day to day. And if he's trying to, I was going to use another word, but I won't. But, um dissatisfy them, maybe. <laughs> That's the wrong word. But, um, yeah, it, it's just bang out of order for me, and it's it's no surprise now that, it, like you say, it has gone public.
2: Yeah. I mean, Roland made it clear in his email that he believes that he is fulfilling contractual <laughs> obligations. But like I say, I can't imagine, you know, if you've been set a KPI and told you'll get a bonus. I mean, if it's in writing, for example, you should be being paid it shortly. Um, and like I say, I understand that they've taken on legal advice, and they wouldn't have done this without taking on legal uh, advice as well um, I mean because if it's a drop in the ocean compared to if, if, if I think Rick everett says he it would probably be in the region of about you know all totaled up about fifty grand. so obviously that's not all for one person that's going to be split across however many people twenty or so people mm. um that is nothing in in the world of football that is nothing in the amount of money really that Roland's going to have to spend every month that he still owns his club it's it, it does it comes across as very. Stingy. Yeah,
3: that's but that's every single cost cutting measure he's put in place seems to be that. Um and he he comes across and says we're trying to drive down the extortion at running costs of the business. Well <coughs> they're running costs that he implemented, those running costs are his fault as well because he's owned the club for long enough now. He's had time to bring those down if he needed to. It's not like we've suddenly started making this operating loss. And the reason that we're losing so much compared to our incoming revenue is again down to him because he's driven fans away, which, OK, supposedly only counts for a small portion of the money that they bring in. We've got relegated, so we're a league lower. Again, that's down to him because of the players we brought in and the way that the managers have been handled and everything else. So everything ends at his door. And when you're, you know, if players were on bonuses for certain targets and they met them and didn't get paid, they'd be annoyed. And their players, even at our level, that get paid far more than the average worker – so then when you're looking at people like cleaning staff like office staff who are not on huge wages that bonus might only be 50 grand spread across those payments to him but the the couple of grand or whatever that certain people are going to get might make a huge difference to those people and to just backtrack from from whatever was promised or whatever was written into contracts or whatever they they are all claiming is it, hugely unfair on them
2: so the uh, the, the staff sort of got together after that email uh, was sent by Roland du Châtelet. It was leaked to the coalition against Roland du Châtelet card within 20 minutes, it would seem. It was very quickly out there and on, on the card system. I mean, it's quite clearly uh, disgruntled members of staff, and, and they came together to write an open letter uh, to Roland. It says, Dear Mr. du Châtelet, we wish to express our extreme disappointment at your decision not to pay hard-working staff the money they would previously uh, been promised based on our performances this year. Uh, the work produced by staff who dedicate their lives and go above and beyond to do their best for Charlton athletic football club is dependent on a large amount of goodwill and obviously know no names, but I know you know that there's plenty of staff at the valley that that I interact with or get to interact with, and you know that they work longer hours than they, what they ought to you know they work incredibly late hours uh you know to to get to get work done for the club and it is a you know it is part of the the club that this is a service to fans. If if they didn't do that, then stuff wouldn't happen at the club, which would mean even more fans would decide not to come because it would look like a bit of a circus. Even though I mean, many people would say it already is. Um, if these people didn't go above and beyond, then Roland they'd be losing even more money.
4: Oh, exactly. And then now he's done that. I mean, what you know what what are the staff going to do now going forward? Are they going to bend over backwards for him? Of course they ain't do you know what i mean and like you say there's certain elements um even not not even you know match day obviously sticks out a lot to everyone because that's when we you know most of us are here but obviously the you know the club doesn't shut down monday to friday loads of stuff happens during the week and people obviously like you say going above and beyond and working the extra hours and for me i just don't know how you're going to repair that relationship now because there's that that trust element's like for me is fully gone um so obviously uh, I don't obviously work at the club, but just on the outside, it just seems so. I don't know. It's just infuriating, and I'm not like Tom said, not directly involved, and I just feel sorry for him. Mm. Uh,
2: the, the staff ended their, their letter uh, saying, you know, unanimously, that the feeling amongst staff was that they were angry and upset uh, due to the due to the decision and the lack of previous communications surrounding the money that we were due to be paid Tuesday, thirty first. So, I mean, uh, the understanding is that tuesday 31st of july the money just didn't turn up and there was not a single word said you yeah. know so so that that's obviously hugely disappointing as well um let say as staff we will continue to fulfill our contractual obligations to the best of our abilities but we're also considering our next step to ensure payment of the bonuses as as promised now what could be the next step for staff if they if they feel like they've been screwed over
3: well yeah as as you say the, the <coughs> main thing is legal action um as naif says in terms of fulfilling their hours and their contracts I'm sure as hard-working people you know I would imagine they would continue to do that Um, but again if they feel that the necessary step is to not do that and they've sought legal advice then perhaps it could even be that it could be you know I don't know necessarily but with with um, jobs that have unions and stuff people strike don't they so it's going to be very interesting to see if they've taken that advice and and they are supposed to have been paid it and they haven't and Roland has somehow breached their contracts or anything like that, then perhaps they are well within their rights to make a decision like that. I would think that they might not make that decision just because they, as the letter says, that, you know, they work hard and they go above and beyond for out of a lot of it out of goodwill. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see. Really, there's no limit to what they could do. They might even just decide to walk away and find employment elsewhere as well. Um so it's a very difficult situation, really. Um, it's all come about again for the same reason that, that lots of other issues have happened. But as we were all basically saying, I think it, it hits a little harder because it seems to be hitting what we might term ordinary people, as opposed to footballers who perhaps live in in a little bubble.
2: Why why do you think Roland's acting like this? I mean, we know we know he's talking a lot about cost cutting. We know, you know, all the ridiculous stories, including the one today about the, the bag of crisps not being allowed to be eaten at your desk. Uh, because of the the money saved on uh, on cleaning costs, I mean these sort of things, you know, they come across as ridiculous. I mean, there was a Belgian journalist uh, who who tweeted a, a few moments ago saying he tried he tried to get in contact with Roland uh, about these these uh, ridiculous about these ridiculous uh, cost cutting measures. Uh, but it, but his tweet says Christophe Turu. I can't pronounce that name. Says a uh, man doesn't want to comment on his brackets embarrassing cost-cutting policy. Um, so obviously he's tried to get in contact with me. Roland doesn't seem to want to speak to the press about it. I mean, why is he doing this to Charlton Because I mean, it's a drop in the ocean. I mean, He say, mm. he says it's part of making the club more affordable to be run by a new owner. Obviously the takeover. Lord knows what's going on. There was an update from the fans' forum last night which really didn't add anything at all to what we already knew, which was they still think it's going to be the Australians, they still think it could happen, but they're still waiting for paperwork. Mm. Um, but he says that making the, cost, making the club run... Cheaper is for the new owners, but surely as soon as the new owners are going to come in, they're not going to think in right. We don't need to drink water or anything like that. We don't need to clean the place. They're going to put those costs straight back up. Find better ways to run it more efficiently if they need to. So why is he doing this?
4: He's he's doing he's just simply doing it for money. I mean, because even these bonuses, he would have accrued costs into each month to cover these. If it was unknown, fifty grand, hundred grand, whatever it was, hundred million, whatever it was. So that that's irrelevant. So this is just cash. It's, it's cash. So he doesn't want to pay out the cash because. Obviously he's cutting back on everything to try and make it more affordable. But like you say, when someone buys it they and they look at his new his new set of accounts and it will go, Oh, you know, look how you know great we're running now, how low cost it is But A it's A is inefficient, B the motivation's at its lowest, so people ain't gonna be productive. So it's it's a false model. We, exactly. These new owners, whoever they are, they will come in and yeah, probably give people water and let you turn on a light <laughs> And eat crisp at your desk because let's face it. I know cleaning is probably not cheap, but it's not going to be the biggest cost. And it's like we're talking like scraping the barrel of costs. And that, and for me, that's all it is. It's literally trying to scrape any penny. And now he's trying to scrape money off the people that actually are the mo- probably the most important to him.
2: And he doesn't. I mean, the, the problem is he doesn't. He doesn't seem to care about morale the stuff. And obviously, that's important. Uh, and uh, yeah, you won't be surprised to see that. Obviously, that the. the Coalition against Roland Duchatel have decided to throw their support behind uh, the staff, and 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 they uh, 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 released their own statement saying they're gonna they're gonna get involved with a protest. They call for fans to uh, uh, to uh, sort of gather at the at the West Stand on uh, on Saturday two fifteen uh, for for for, a, for a, a protest. And obviously, I mean, you'd expect Charlton fans to get behind the members of staff. Don't forget, a lot of these members of staff are Charlton fans as well. But of course, you know, whether, even if they aren't, even if they're Millwall fans, who cares? They're still working people who've gone out to try and work, uh, earn a living, and now in the name of our club, they're being a little bit screwed over, it would seem. Yeah,
3: and we've shown in in recent weeks, uh, <laughs> and in fact, well, ever since I've been a Charlton fan, we've <coughs> shown it. But you think about things like the the Jack Jeffries um, thing the other week. We're, we're a Charlton family. We've always been. We always pull together in difficult situations for anyone, whatever those situations are, and. You're right, I would expect the fans to do that again. Um, I think it, you know, every time something like this happens, it's, well, what can we do? What can we do to get him out? Because that's been Card's purpose from the start. And I know people are calling on the AFL to take action and stuff and finding that frustrating. But this one, as I say, has hit so much closer to home because of who it's affecting. And I think... You know, in terms of stopping games and throwing things on the pitch, I don't know if it's going to be a protest like that, but it's going to be a massive show of solidarity, a massive coming together. I don't know how many fans are going to come back out to to the game necessarily, but I think you can show uh, see a big show of support from Charlton fans on Saturday because they they don't like the fact you know you. You feel like a representative as a club as a fan you know this is happening to our club and we're reading about this in the press and i've got mates texting me saying what are your club up to blah blah blah. well it's not my club i just happen to support them so you know for for people who work at that club you almost end up feeling responsible because it, it you're a fan of that club and it, it's just not fair so um yeah i'd expect a fair few people to come out for that
2: marion tweets in lack of communication on this is appalling but it's not surprising uh knowing ronan Do chaser. Right, let's have a quick break. Uh, I think we've 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 covered that uh, very difficult
0: subject. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about another very difficult subject: the fact that even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.
1: Great work from Tariq Fosu and now it's to Kasky over here on this near side to take the corner, swings it in, it's gone deep, Bowers at the far post, gets ahead of now. oh it's, it's in! in, Patrick Bauer heads the ball down, come on, beyond Ian Lawler and into the back of the net for Charlton's opener. Oh, I can't believe that one in Terry Smith, the ball came in for Force Kasky at the back post, Bowers able to beat his man, he just heads it down on the ground almost.
2: Welcome back to Charlton Live. Uh, uh, as you heard at the the very top of the show, uh, we conceded a late penalty on uh, on uh, on Tuesday evening uh, to lose the game to Peterborough United, uh, and not many people were very happy about the decision, Nathan.
4: No, For, to be fair, I was um, where I sit. I couldn't really see. I got obviously just see a guy go flying, so my initial reaction to that it was obviously a pen. Um, and didn't think much of it and then until you see obviously Bo's reaction and obviously see it back and I, I still obviously still can't believe it was given but the whole night you know the whole night it was just frustrating because obviously I don't think the ref was doing it on purpose but it did seem like everything was going to them um, but again at the same time I don't think we did enough personally going forward um, I don't think we deserve to lose the game um, but we didn't. I don't think we deserve to win it either. So I mean, and that was the disappointing fact. We didn't. We didn't test their goalie too much. But not, no, neither did them. Apart from that great save from Deals, but it was just a big. Um, it was a big blow, put it that way. But uh, yeah. and it's just a shame that that other that big geezer is. Um, he <laughs> yeah. was there as well because I don't think he's liked by many people.
2: Yeah, I mean, talk about, yeah, talking to big Tom. I mean, I mean, Boja clearly felt that. Steve Evans, the the Peterborough manager, who we've known, you know, from playing Leeds when he was there and from playing Rotherham, that he's he's always been a big presence on the touchline and a loud <laughs> presence on the touchline. You know, he always puts pressure on the referee, and you know, you'll say what you like about it to him. He doesn't care what you think. He's mm. quite happy. He's going to berate the referee all game. That's his style. That's what works for him. Do you think that that does affect the referee? Put, put pressure on his waistband as well. Didn't
3: he? <laughs> um, I think it does. Yeah, I genuinely think it does because, you know, from. Everyone in the ground could see him. Like every single decision, he was off down that touchline as quickly as his little legs could take him, and <laughs> hurling abuse at him. And if he wasn't going, it was his his assistant as well. And it was just it was just constant. And obviously, that that fourth official's there to kind of mediate the managers and make sure they don't break any of the laws of the game and and all of that. And and all managers are going to get in the fourth officials here. We've seen Boya do it um, as well, and and all managers do, but. For me, how Evans got away with that, I have no idea because they brought in these cards for managers. And okay, apparently he got one in the tunnel. We saw Boyer get one as well. But if that's only a booking, I mean, that's the equivalent of going in studs up, two footed on someone's knee and getting a booking. For me, the way he acted was was just appalling. And like like Nave says, and like Boyer says to his credit, it's not an easy job, and I don't think anyone claims that that it is. But when you've got someone like that putting pressure on you all game, it must start to niggle away at the back of your mind and. I don't think that referee is consciously there thinking, oh brilliant, if one of those Peterborough players goes down, I'll get to give a penalty now. I don't think he's thinking like that, but he's always got in the back of his mind that Evans is there barking at him all game, and when that 50-50 decision happens, I think instinctively he's maybe leans a little bit that way, which is which is so so unfair, and that's why I think Boya and a lot of the fans left so angry after the game because we felt like we'd been robbed.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly looking back at the penalty decision, it seems very, very harsh on, on Lewis Page. I was the same as Nathan the ground. Like once you see it, I tend, I tend to, if, if I can't see it clearly, I tend to err on the side of the referee purely because he would have had a better view than mm-hmm. me. But then the more you watch it, and then you see how far back he was. Uh, it, it definitely makes it very debatable. I mean, we had a handball shout down the other end, which I didn't think was, would have been no, one no. either. No. <coughs> Yeah. But I mean, overall, from the performance, there's certainly plenty of positives to say we're, we're still in this, you know, weakened squad situation. But there's some good things we saw, perhaps not testing the keeper enough.
4: Yeah, I think first off, I thought we got o- we uh, got overrun a little bit in the middle. Um, but again, you know, Albi was making his first start. Um, obviously, we we looked quite a bit leggy. Um, but we all know the, the shortage we have at central midfielders at the moment. Um, I thought obviously Bowyer didn't start George and probably didn't bring him on because he wanted someone with a bit of fresh energy in the middle for Saturday's game. But yeah, it was it was it was the first half was a bit meh, but and then se- the second half we started to grow into the game a little bit more and <coughs> we pushed higher up in the pitch and we kept the ball more or less in their half and we apart from their number ten who was very tricky and um, apart from. You should join a circus, though. But <laughs> yeah, Dembele, yeah,
2: he was silky, wasn't he?
4: But um, yeah, no. Apart from he had that one and one Apart, I, I didn't really feel too threatened by him. But yeah, there were positives. But considering the circumstances with the squad. Um, there was definitely a lot of positives and like we always say if players give 110% which they always do and they have this season then you can't really grumble too much especially with the kids in there because they're going to be inconsistent they're not going to play blind in every single game
2: yeah what about the atmosphere I thought you consider it, it was clearly a low crowd I mean, it it's announced as 9,000 and something including uh, just under 1,000 posh fans but I mean the the noise inside the valley considering realistically it was probably only 6,000 Charlton fans there maximum I thought was absolutely superb
3: yeah I thought it was brilliant as well and I slightly disagree with Nath. I agree that we didn't test the keeper enough, but I thought we possibly did. It was one of those games where we could have sneaked something from it. I don't think we deserved to take three points, but I think we did have opportunities too. We had bits cleared off the line and a few blocks on the edge of the area, and with the crowd getting up like that, it had the feel of one of those games where it was backs against the wall. We feel like the refs against us, and we're just going to nick it towards the end. And I, th- I do think we would have been quite fortunate to do that, but we definitely deserved at minimum a point. and And um, I think the crowd played a big part in that. and In some ways, it perhaps helps when you're up against a manager like Steve Evans, who I'd be surprised if anyone outside of, even Peterborough fans, to be honest, like him. Um, And when you've got a referee, as I say, seeming to give every 50-50 the other way, because it builds up that hostility (coughs) and it becomes more of a battle. And that's what seemed to happen. And it rubbed the crowd up the wrong way. And you start getting more vocal and more vocal because you feel like you're up against everything. It's like the world against you. And I felt like we were going to... Almost like sucked the ball into the net at some point, and then it just obviously just didn't happen in the end.
2: Now Lee Bowyer came in to speak to Charlton Live exclusively uh, after the game. He spoke to Terry. Uh, you would have seen, he, you might have seen his bloody past press conference where he was on pretty good form, and we've got a small clip of that for you later as well. But this is how he how he was when he came in to speak to Terry. He was still pretty raging by the time he got to the end of it. But overall, his assessment of the game, I think, I think he was pretty proud of his players.
6: I think we started the game well. Uh, first 10 minutes we moved the ball well and then we got sloppy really sloppy they looked nervy in the first half the last like 20 minutes or so or well, the middle 20 minutes of the of the first half and then the last 5-10 minutes and they started to get a bit more confidence again so I just said to them at half the time like look you're not nervous like you're a good team you're good players just relax just move the ball pass the ball we do it every day in training so just, just believe in yourselves you know and, and they'd done that second half I think they moved the ball well we we, we got out from the back we got round the back of them then we came out we switched it we, we got in around the back of them time and time again and just that final cross you know we just couldn't pick someone out or the keeper made a great save from, from Um it just didn't fall for us when it's an aerial thing like everything just seemed to drop to them you know it, it was a frustrating night but but I'm, I can't have asked for no more from them. They've given me everything there, and and they've been they've been robbed, cheated, or whatever way you want to dress it up. Um, they don't deserve to come away with nothing there. We was the better side. Anyone that knows the game of football will tell you that we was the better side tonight. And, and we was the team on top. We was the one that was passing. We was the one that was moving. We was competing, winning second balls. We, They've done everything that I asked from them and then, they, and then they come away with nothing. They don't deserve that. Not from a stupid decision. Not from something from a referee that obviously hasn't got a clue about the game because that is not a penalty. And and, and it's wrong because you've got someone that's making the decision and he's and he's taking something away from 11, 12, 13 players or however many that we had out there at a the time. It, it's wrong because they're... Now they're going home and they're disheartened and they're hurting and and that's just from one decision. And it, nothing's going to happen to him. I'm going to get in trouble. I know I am. And and I don't care. Because at the end of the day, I will speak up about stuff that I believe in. If it was a penalty, I'd say, yeah, it was a penalty. But it wasn't. And then now he's, he's going to go home and then he'll probably get a little telling off and then he'll still carry on and I'll probably have a little band somewhere about can't watch the game or whatever. But... <coughs> He's going to be able to go and referee next week It's wrong In, in every flipping sense of the, It's just wrong I don't know why he gave that decision I don't know But there's contact Of course there's contact It's a contact sport But it's not a penalty
1: From the comms um, We called it side by side contact And two players just trying to get to the ball um, we, I also called it that uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was predicting something like that But I'll call it the Evans factor in, in as much as that, uh, prior to that, some of the split decisions were going Peterborough's way, and uh, they all wonder, did. you do wonder whether or not the, uh, the the officials then just get conscious of that. Scared, uh, yeah, exactly. Scared. He's
6: bullied him into the decision, so now he's wor- more worried about the, their their manager and what he's saying than than giving the right decision. And, and right at the end of the game like everything every 50-50 decision went their way we had Lyle Taylor getting bundled over it, no foul their striker gets a little touch rolls around foul like are you kidding me? It, both teams are making fouls not just one it, it works both ways and that's why that's why I got in trouble in, in the first half because I'm saying look just make it fair just make it fair Like you, you can't just go one side of like their team are failing as well but It shouldn't be decided on that. They deserve more than that, the lads. You know, they've given everything. The fans were great again tonight. They've applauded them off. Just lost the game and they've applauded them off. Like, that's how much they can tell what they're giving out there. And I just said to the lads, you keep doing that and it will turn. We've got players coming back from injury soon. It will turn. Strengthen the squad. You keep working like the way you have from the day that I've took over and then you will keep winning games. You will win games and you won't stop once they start. For sure.
2: So you can tell there that Lee Bayer was still pretty um, pretty upset by the time he came in to speak to Terry. But, I mean, you, you don't often see a manager like that, if we're being honest, you that virulent after a game. like you know. I don't know if anyone actually sat down and watched the the Quest highlights, the Football League highlights on Quest on their... On Wednesday night last night. He was his interviewing that and that one was good as well. Like I was sort of sitting there watching him so irate and it was really getting my juices flowing, Nathan.
4: Yeah, no, he was he was flipping angry, wasn't he? <laughs> but, um I thought we nearly went then. <laughs> but no, you can, and you can understand it because it was if you, even if you forget if it finished nil nil and there was no penalty, it's it would have still been annoying because like he said, like there were a couple of times where I thought Lyle was probably backing in a bit too much, but there were times where he was fouled or it was the fifty-fifty balls, like Bose was saying, and that's what frustrates me because it's like, okay, if you're going to give, and we had it the same at Aquinton as well with the with the fouls and the you know they were inconsistent, and it's just it just seems every week the referees at this level are just it's this always if it's not us, it's another team, and it's just frustrating and. You could tell how much it means to him and how much he cares. because, And that's why I think a lot of people can relate to Bose is because he says (laughs) what all of us are thinking. Mm. And would it it react exactly the same way if we was in his position?
2: One of the other things that all of us were thinking uh, was (laughs) was that Steve Evans is a larger-than-life gentleman. And this is exactly how Lee Bowyer described him uh, during his press conference.
6: I don't know whether their manager, because he's just like this big geezer standing on the side he's bullying like the the fourth official constantly hammering the fourth official then maybe he's afraid I don't know but I feel like maybe he's been bullied into that because every slight decision went to them every single one
2: lovely big geezer standing on the side I was absolutely floored when I heard that line (laughs) Uh, but again I mean like I say it's very South London I enjoyed it very much right um During today's press day, Lee Bay was also talking about potential uh, incomings here at the Valley. Don't forget, of course, the loan window is still open up until the end of the month uh, between EFL clubs. So this is what Lee had to say uh, on uh, incomings. You touched earlier on possible transfer targets that you're keen to get players in. Is there any update on that
3: at all?
6: Um, Yeah, we're just waiting for a club to come back to us. We're in negotiation with a club at the moment for a player. I met the player yesterday and persuaded him to come to us, so that's good now, it's out of my hands and it's between the two clubs, so I was hoping to get him in for this morning so he can train today and tomorrow, but um, it's not looking likely now, so yeah, hopefully it'll go well today and maybe will be in tomorrow. confident you'll get it over the line? Yeah, like I said, I can't do no more what I've done, i persuaded him to come. It's the it's the financial side now and unfortunately I can't control that but I know that, that our owner has, has put up as much as we possibly can, so it's just hoping that the other club can accept it because obviously the players on more money than we what we can offer, so and I know the lad really wants to come here and play and so um hopefully the two clubs can, can come to an agreement. A lot of speculation about
3: Adimola Lookman. Instead of going to possibly Leipzig for a lot of money, do you, does Charlton have a sell-on clause on that? You know, I
1: haven't got a clue. I don't know.
6: Nothing to do with me. Long before I came here, so uh, I don't know. But if he does go, then, then it's a good move for him. And if we if we do have that sell-on clause, and that's good for the club, uh, I like to think that they they would have a sell-on clause. But again, it's nothing to do with me. i financially nothing to do with it. Lee thank you very much.
2: So there we go, Leebo. You're saying that our, uh, our owner has put up as much uh, as we can. I was going to make a joke about that being a couple of bags of crisps, but uh, as, as we now know that that is now uh, not not the correct thing, not the correct currency that we deal in round here. But obviously, jokes aside, um, you know we've been linked with a couple of names: Josh Cullen f- from West Ham, uh, you know, Kane from Leeds United. I think the Josh Cullen one seems a little bit more likely, doesn't it? So I mean, do you know much about? him? I believe he's a midfielder.
3: Yeah, good player. Yeah, saw him. Um... Was it Bradford? He was at before. Yeah, um, liked him there. Thought he, yeah, he could offer us a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that story seems to be getting a lot of traction in press as well. So it sounds like that's the player Bo talking about, and he's another one to kind of shore up that midfield and and give us something different in there, which which we need because we've had Lapsley in there s- start of the season, and we obviously had Alby come in on Tuesday night to like Nave said earlier to potentially rest George but it's not fair on either of those two players to be doing that week in week out you want to be able to bring them off the bench and give them little bits of experience so I think if we could get Cullen over the line I think that would be a really good bit of business.
2: Excellent stuff. Right uh, earlier on before the show started uh, I did ask for your three word reviews of the penalty decision uh, given against Cholton on uh, Tuesday evening so I'm going to go through a quick few of them uh, the ones of course that are clean enough to be read out. Jimmy Seeds free word review was not a penalty. Not bad. Uh, Robert Waghorn says, drive-through robbery. Uh, Franco said, the referee got con uh, conned, uh, Paul Ferguson. Uh, the ref needed glasses. Lewis Hurst, result of incompetence and also an utter shambles. Connor says, it was an awful decision. <laughs> I can't read Clint's one. Uh, Woody says, Evans bribes refs. Although that's an allegation and it's never been proved. What no, was it? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was, of course, caught up in some different uh, financial thing a few years ago, actually, wasn't he? But uh, when he was the Boston United manager. But we won't talk about that. Uh, non-user account says it was never a penalty. Uh, Stuart Bennett says, "Fat ginger, so and so." Thank you for your, for your tweets in on that. There's a, there's a couple more that are a bit sweary as well. well. Let's have a quick break. Still here on Charlton Life, we're going to hear from the women's team uh, ahead of the uh, their first home game of the season, and we're also going to start looking ahead to the Fleetwood game. <laughs>
1: Occupying that left hand side at the moment, little step over onto his left foot, Marshall. Ball in the box is good, and Rebo, first out- Oh, what a goal, Lovely finish! Oh, what a goal! Joe Rebo gives Charlton the lead, great ball in from Mark Marshall on the left hand side, chips it in, and Rebo with a calm left footed volley,
2: have found the bottom right corner, and Charlton have the lead. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Now, uh, the women's team kicked off their season starting on uh, last Sunday in the Continental Cup. They got beaten quite heavily, actually, unfortunately, down at Lewis. Uh, But they're playing their first home game uh, of the campaign uh, this Sunday over their new home ground, VCD. Uh, So we uh, got in contact with Grace Coombs, the vice captain of the women's team earlier, just to find out how their preparations uh, for the new season has been going. Yeah, we're all really excited. It's a brand new challenge for us. Um,
5: there's some really tough teams in the league. Some new really teams that we haven't played before as well. Um, so I think we're all really looking forward to it. Looking forward to testing ourselves against um, very good teams and um, teams that got a lot of internationals. And and that so yeah, everyone's really excited for the season to come.
2: So obviously after winning the league and then going on to win the playoff to to get promotion last season, I mean, are you expecting it's going to be quite a big sort of step up in quality this year when you're in the championship?
5: Yeah, I think from the league last year, um, there were a lot of games that probably didn't challenge us as much as we would have liked. Um, So I think this year every single game is going to be hard. We can't underestimate any team and we're going to have to prepare differently for every game. Um, And I think we're just going to have to work really hard to be as successful as as we were last year.
2: So how how do you think the squad's shaping up? Because obviously you've... uh... Signed Gemma Bryan back from uh, back from Palace, but is it, is it more more importantly, I guess, the, the the players that you've retained as well this summer?
5: Yeah, so we we managed to keep a good core of the team from last year and, and made a lot of new additions as well. Um, I think we've had, We haven't really had much time with everyone at the minute because we've had quite a few injuries, unfortunately. Um, but people are just starting to get fit again, and I think a lot of we're, we're kind of together. That, the better it will get, and we'll kind of create an environment that we had last year, and hopefully, the success that we
2: had will be replicated this season. Um, obviously, you've uh, you've got the Continental Cup game with Millwall coming up. Uh, the league start season doesn't start for for another couple of weeks, but you've already had a cup game as well, which um, uh, away at Lewis last week, which I guess was a bit of a, a difficult result. So I guess you'll be hoping to try and get sort of back on track on on, on Sunday with Millwall.
5: Yeah, we were really disappointed about how the weekend went. Um, the performance, especially in the first half, was, was quite a good performance and I think a few things didn't go our way. Um, but, I mean, that's football and we've just got to learn from it and push on mm-hmm. to this weekend. M- games against Millwall were always tough and they were always quite intense and there's quite a lot of history um, between us and them, even just in the women's game. So, I'm sure everyone will be really up for it. Everyone's looking to put right mm-hmm. last Sunday and... Um, looking forward to the challenge of it as well, Try and get our first
2: win in the Cup um, to push on for the first league game, which is in a few weeks' time. And obviously, uh, you've got your new home ground now, you've moved over to BCD uh, Athletic in Crayford, so it'd be nice to see as many Charlton fans as possible come down to support you.
5: Yeah, of course it would be. we played there um, a couple of times so far in pre-season, so um, hopefully we're getting comfortable to it and like I said, it would be great if people come down and watch us, kind of not too far from the or kind of a which if
2: anyone can get down to support us, then we'd all really appreciate that. And, and finally, I mean, what, what are the aims for the season with the, with the step up in division? Is it a case of just trying to consolidate, or are you hoping to try and get towards the upper reaches of the table, or is it just a case of maybe you're just trying to find out how you are at that level at the moment?
5: I think potentially just a mixture of both. Um, we obviously don't really want to let ourselves down, and um, we've got we have got quite high expectations for ourselves if we can kind of all drill together and, and keep working forward But I think it's just mainly just get the team, try and get the team the same character it had last year, try and build on that, integrate the new players, and then there's there's not a lot of pressure on us. Whereas in previous seasons there's always been a lot of pressure on us to do well um, We're this season we don't have that which is going to be new for us but I think slightly consolidate but we want to finish as high as we we can and the whole season is going to be a learning curve for us Um, so it's just a case of kind of taking one game at a time and and seeing how we get on
2: Grace Coombs there from the uh, Toronto Athletic Women's Team the vice-captain they're playing Uh, against Millwall at the new home ground VCD uh, Athletic on Sunday at at 2 o'clock, so it'll be great if if as uh, many of you as possible can get down there, right just before we start looking ahead to Fleetwood, (coughs) excuse me a couple of tweets, London in it. Giza says it's disgusting the way that Roland has treated the staff at Charlton though, no surprise but I'm not sure what shouting at a window uh, will achieve, now I guess there's many fans out there who just they feel helpless and there's not really much anyone can do other than just try and be a big visual protest to try and get some media attention and try and embarrass the owner and I guess the uh, the gathering that uh, that's being sorted out for for Saturday is probably the best they can do at the moment in time.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, you're right. And and you sort of you're sitting there and you're thinking like, well, what what can I do? What can I do? And um, I think yeah, that appears to be the only solution for now. Um, yeah, we, as I say, we've had protests on the pitch and all sorts as well. So we've tried all sorts uh, and credit to card for, for doing that. But as I say, this is is a show of solidarity really, and it's coming together and showing <laughs> those employees who are. Are struggling with this issue at the moment that they're not on their own um and if that's the this seems to be the the most appropriate way that we can show that that number of people are behind them is it going to make any difference to roland directly maybe not but we've said that about all the protests but it's about making a statement and you know, saying, "Well, is it going to make a difference?" All you can do is try, and you want to feel like you're at least done what you can, and and that's what people will do.
2: Yeah, Pete tweeted in. If I can shed a, a glimmer of hope, it does start with saying that the EFL needs to process a few documents, so there is light at the end of the tunnel. Talking about, of course. Uh, uh, sort of Roland's uh, uh, message, although or the fans forum stuff as well. But you know how you know we've been at that situation for quite a while now. Unfortunately, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, it says as mor- uh, immoral as it is saving money, surely lower league clubs operate in similar, if not worse, circumstances. Plus, if people are worried about the bonuses, how about? Uh, Charlton Card and the fans crowd fund. I mean that's exactly what Rowan wants he wants he doesn't want to pay the bonus so would be <laughs> delighted if someone else pays it you know like I say if, if there is a contract which the, or or something some sort of agreement that the, the player that the, the that has been offered to the, the people I mean with all due respect to Oldham for example for you know just picking a random lower league club I mean if their owner goes around promising staff bonuses and then can't pay it well you've promised it and legally if you have then you'd probably be caught out on that, and you know Roland's worth a lot of money. You know we're not a normal lower league club. You know if he's going around promising stuff, you know if he has, that's what the staff are saying he has. Then he should pay it, and and that's where it is. Uh, but yeah, I certainly don't think the fans should be paying it for him because that's I mean it's Roland's Roland's the one who supposedly you know it's his company that supposedly have made the promise. If that is the case, so you know I don't think fans should be should be paying that. Right, time to look ahead to. Uh, Saturday's game with, with Fleetwood. I spoke to Rosie Swabrick uh, earlier on this evening. She's uh, writes for the Blackpool Gazette, uh, covering uh, Fleetwood Town, and she told us exactly what we can expect from Joey Barton's side, who of course had that massive win at uh, uh, Scunthorpe last night. So this is what uh, Rosie Swabrick has to say about Fleetwood Town. It's
7: kind of those, not. I wouldn't say it's work in progress, but it's certainly it's a developing. Um, Joey Barton keeps using the phrase embryonic. Isn't it? It's an embryonic is the what he's trying to install the, the team that he's trying and squad that he's trying to build at Fleetwood Town at the moment I think everyone who watched the opening day um, defeat was a bit really surprised given the pre-season he'd had an unbeaten pre-season he'd started off 4-3-3 and we really expected some attacking fast-flowing you know really inventive football especially given that forward pack that Fleetwood have and it, it just didn't happen on, a, on that Saturday But since then, we've seen kind of what we expected from a Fleetwood point of view, what what the fans expected to see, which is, you know, a lot more organisation, a lot more concentration, a lot more bite, a lot more grit, a lot more positivity, and obviously the floor players. And I think everything sort of clicked into place last night, well, on Wednesday night, at Scunfork in that 5-0 win. And I think the beauty, and I think what the rest of them, the division should fear is the fact that that, that was only a glimpse of what this, this side is capable of. That was 20 minutes of absolute full throttle attacking football from both Westburn and Ched Evans, who were both unplayable uh, for scum And if they play like that for a full 90 minutes, you could be talking about a, a 10-0 Um but also, Scunfork had chances last night. You know, there was, It was a, a very good game by keeper, Alex Kearns. I also gave him, gave him a nine in, his, in my player ratings because he made three huge, massive saves at, at times that could have changed perhaps the outlook of the game, the whole feel of the game. Um, so there's definitely still work to be done from a Fleetwood point of view, but they just won 5-0 you know, away from home, so <laughs> if you can understand what I'm trying to say there, which is a case of, you know, it's great, it's a fantastic result, but there's still work to do, and I think that should strike fear
2: into the rest of the division. Yeah, certainly, I wasn't too comfortable when I saw all those goals flying in for Fleetwood last night, I mean, uh, obviously Joey Barton uh, uh, was perhaps a bit of a surprise choice for manager when he was announced, sort of midway through last season, took, took over at this, uh, in pre-season, um, how's he been? I mean, I've read some of your stories about some of his uh, choice language during press conferences. Uh, what's he been like to work with, and and has he sort of already started to stamp his mark on his side?
7: Yeah, he's been great for me personally. I think, uh, as you can tell from my voice, I'm quite working class, in my own background, and he's so obviously a working class lad. So I think it, we both are quite relaxed around each other in the way that we, we speak. Obviously, my stuff's a lot written. So when it comes to the radio, when it comes to the TV guys, he has to be on guard. I said, you know, watch watch his language, so to speak, but he knows when it comes to, he's experienced enough as a player, he knows when it comes to a written press that we can always change the word. Um, So I've had some good fun with changing the words because obviously I did a tweet the other day that went got a lot of attention about Joey Barton's description of how to manage his players and managing attitudes and using the word poo. But obviously everyone <laughs> uh, knows Joey Barton the character; he does not say that word, so I've used artistic license to change his the word there. But but yeah, it's been it's uh, been brilliant, and also I I feel like I as a as a football writer and learning a lot from him. I mean the headlines that. You know, we'll garner the people stuff that people might read, are, you know, the poo stories or, or the, the, the elaborate stuff about, you know, him, him being tired and all that sort of stuff. But really, as a football man, he's talking about learning and the evolution of the game. I mean, the other day he gave some big quote about Darwinism and how, you know, football is the ultimate place for the Darwinistic theories and goes into all this philosophy side of the game and, and talking about mentality and, but for me, the big thing, anyone who saw Fleetwood Town last season will have known that it was a very inexperienced side, you know, there was a big problem at back when Amari Bell left they were vulnerable on set pieces and over the pre-season he's worked on all of the things that were at fault for last season, he, he studied last season, saw what happened, looked at the bunch of players he's got at his disposal, thought, right, how can I work with them, how can I get the best of it, out of each player, and he's really assessed the squad, and it, also for me, I, I found it, because I thought, coming in, oh, this is the next player, he's not going to know anything about League One, having not played there, and the way that he talked about players, he knew all about Kyle Dempsey, he knew all about you know every single one of the Fleetwood Town player that that you as a writer or you as a journalist that you've been studying and he comes in and he tells you and, and he knows their strengths and weaknesses and, and it's just great to see that actually he knows what he's doing he studies what he's doing and I, I don't think some people I keep, think people take for granted they just say oh Joey the the name some of the comments some of the you know but actually he's a really really intelligent man and a really really intelligent football man who, who's done his research and assessed his squad and the way that he's built just look at his signings, Dean Marney from Burnley, Jason Holt on loan from Rangers. I mean they didn't even play that big a part in the five 0 win on Wednesday, uh starting but didn't impress me on Wednesday night. But that that's the whole point of it. He's gone out, got experience in the back line, Craig Morgan had a great game for us on Wednesday night and compliment and just look at that attack. I mean Chad Evans four goals in four four league games and you know, there's so much more potential to come from this side, and I think that's the really exciting thing that everyone around Fleetwood is watching now. And and also the reaction to last Saturday, you know, they they conceded the last gas goal to Roxdale. They should have wrapped that game up. They were 2 1 ahead. They should have wrapped that game up. It should have been 3, three 4 1, and then Roxdale scoring the, the last minute. But that's all about learning game management. They learned how to manage a game against Scunthorpe last night. and that, that's all, within, it's all about a learning process about this division, and I, I'm just really, really—I
2: think everyone's really excited about what is going on. So, so, so has he sort of like had any stated aims for for this season? You because know, obviously Fleetwood themselves have been in in League One. I think it's their, their fifth year now, 14th place last year, but they got to the playoffs a couple of years ago. So, I mean, have, have they got a stated aim, and what what are the fans sort of expectations this year?
7: I think everyone's expecting Fleetwood to be in the top half. Um, Joey's aims, he's just come out, he's been a bit, not, I wouldn't say wishy-washy, but he's been a bit vague on his aims come out and said that, you know, really, he just wants them to be better than they were last season and better than they are every day. He just wants them to keep improving and keep improving. But we all know that what that perhaps is called for is that he wants them to be up there, but I don't think he wants to come out and set his stall up and say, look, you know, we are going for promotion.
2: So thank you to to, to Rosie there Swabrick from the, uh, the the Blackpool Gazette. Uh, just just very quickly on Fleetwood, obviously Joey Barton. I guess it is, in terms of a manager, very similar to ours, really. Bit of uh, a bit of new blood, really. Obviously had a, a a good a good career, known for a bit of uh, being a bit of a feisty player, as was Lee Bowyer as well. So you can see some similarities there between the two sets the two managers.
4: Yeah, I think they're both very honest. Um, they say what they say what they really think, and I think it's quite refreshing. You've got. Um, Obviously, he had a he had a, a checkered past, shall we say. But
2: it's one way of putting it.
4: Yeah, I think I think a lot of us probably do have a lot of things that, if we were in the limelight, wouldn't wouldn't be great in the press. Um, I've got a story about
2: you tomorrow, actually <laughs> in the paper. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's great,
4: and um, yeah, it'd be interesting if it's if it's something similar to Tuesday, if if uh, they have a disagreement between Bose and. Um, Joey, but I, I, I I've I've heard Joey. I I've, I've see on Question Time. I think he's quite an intelligent guy, considering when you compare him to other footballers. But yeah, no, I'm you know I don't, I don't have anything against him. I hope he does well, but obviously not when he plays us.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. Right, let's hear uh, the uh, uh, the preview from uh, the Charlton point of view. Of course, Natalie Lee Bowyer uh, sat down again for his press day This is what he had to say looking ahead to Saturday's game. Joey Barton,
1: Fleetwood
2: Town, next up at the Valley on Saturday. Fresh from a convincing 5 0 win at
1: Scamthorpe, uh, not many teams go to Scamthorpe and score five goals. No, I
6: don't think we will be doing that. I hope we do, but I don't think we will. But what, I don't know what it is at the moment whoever, whoever we play, they go and score three, four, five goals. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But yeah, Joey, Joey knows the game. Um, he was a good player. He'll have good experience that he can pass on to his players and. Um, and yeah it's going to be a tough game there's there's a lot of teams in this league that can go and do something on a, on a one-off thing but it's going to be tough I know that but there's no team in here in this division and I've said it from the beginning that I'm that I'm worried about like Wigan last year they was an exception and Blackburn and, and we we beat Blackburn last year you know but this season is there's not really anyone that stands out and I think, OK, well, I'm worrying about them because I know that my squad of players can match anyone on a day. So, I think Saturday will be a tough game, but we'll be ready and, and the best team will we'll win on a day. Is Joey someone you know? Not really. Um, we played in a testimonial for Stephen Harper at Newcastle. Um, Played against each other maybe a couple of times, but I don't really know I'm just out too, to but I'm making the testimonials.
2: He's a nice lad. So. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about the low flying jet at the end of that. I was listening to that earlier. So it's either a lawnmower or a plane or something that, that seems to go past.
4: Roland coming over.
2: <coughs> yeah,
4: nah. no. Uh, no cut back on his jet. Yeah,
2: yeah <laughs> uh, at the end of that. But that's certainly, Bowie, looking ahead. Obviously, um not, not best mates with Joey Barton doesn't know him that well but uh, they, they, they will have crossed paths before um, looking at it from a Cheltenham tra- point of view I mean it sounds like Eagle's going to be back on the bench uh, Bob Liskins just say it, stated that he's worried uh, that it's far too early uh, he's only has ha- as he's only had half a pre-season I know Football League uh, since his <coughs> return so he says it's too risky but I mean It's always good to have bodies back in the squad, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and I think even just having him back on the bench will will make a difference just in terms of the atmosphere around the squad as well. I think we have got to be careful, and Lee said it himself. We've got Reeves back in training and um, Tariq back in training as well, but we need to take it very gently. Same with Pierce as well, um, and then longer term Clark as well. When he comes back, these players have been out for a long time, Pierce obviously less so. So you don't. There's absolutely no point rushing them in because then they're just going to break down again and going to be out for even longer. So we've got to be careful with them. Um, like Nate said, earlier, <coughs> I expect Lapsley will probably come into the starting lineup in place of Albi, um, but I can't really see any changes to that that eleven aside from that really.
2: Yeah, obviously, we know that Fleetwood have gone and won five 0 last night up at Scunthorpe, being four nil up at <coughs> half time. I mean, do do you think that? Surely they're going to be on a bit of a high coming into this game. They've won both their away games so far this season, because they won 2-0 at Oxford United as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think they are going to be. But, uh, you know, uh, Peterborough had won three out of three when they came to us and aside yeah, from that it, penalty. And then it, it was four out four. Minutes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but, you know, on the balance of that game, I think they were lucky to get out of here with all three points. So, you know, Sunderland have come down with a massive reputation. We took them to the, to the line. So, uh, you know, I don't think necessarily we need to be too afraid. I mean, obviously they're going to be buoyed by that win in midweek, but they could just as easily come here and we could get something as well so my worry is that we did look leggy like Naif said towards the end of both halves on Tuesday night and because we haven't got a lot of options in terms of turning the squad around we we might tire again Um, so yeah I mean it's not going to be an easy game I'm not suggesting that but I just think we've got to go into it with no
2: fear and and feel like we can get something from the game Likelihood go with a 3-5-2 again that's served us reasonably well so far this season?
3: Yeah
4: I think so um Probably will be going three five two, 5 2 but like Tom, just concerned about the legs, really, because I think if we don't go in with a lead to hold on to, the longer it goes on, the less we've got to change a game, and that's what sort of worries me. Yeah. That's the only thing that worries me, really. But, yeah, Fleetwood, Berry whoever else, they're not in the league, but anyone, I think we'll beat anyone on our day.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully uh, hopefully our day is Saturday. Let's, let's, let's sort of start thinking about uh, our, our Jacko's jackpot as well. Have we put it out to anyone this week, uh,
4: No, I've, I've, I've been busy today, but... um. Yeah no, nah, well you can have a go if you want.
2: Have we all right? No, no, we'll we'll put it out to someone. The first person, <laughs> the first person to tweet in uh, before the end of the show gets to choose the Jacko's jackpot. Probably won't be uh, be able to announce it until after the show. But first person to tweet in can uh, decide just pick a, a scorer and a scorer, and we'll put two pound fifty on that for uh, the upbeats, hoping that that money will come in. Let's have some actual predictions then. Thomas, start with you. Uh,
3: I'll take a point, so I'll say one all. One all yet. Yeah. Going one nil, Charlton. One nil,
2: Charlton. Eagle, eagle. Well, yeah, come off the bench late. Uh, hopefully, I'm sure it'll be an exciting game. Right, thanks to those of you who have listened uh, live to to the show this evening. Don't forget, uh, we'll be back here on Maritime Radio on Sunday evening, uh, my birthday as well. So make sure you all email in some nice presents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you <have> some presents. <laughs> uh, uh, Where we look back at the the, the Fleetwood game. Um, uh, so yeah, so make sure you join us, Maritime Radio, seven o'clock. Thank you for all your tweets. Uh, in today, your three-word reviews, or most of which we could read out on air, um, and uh, and your other comments as well. Uh, don't forget, as uh, card have announcer there is going to be a protest at the Valley, two fifteen on Saturday, uh, outside the West Stand. If you're go- if you want to be involved with that, uh, right? Hopefully, it'll be three points. Uh, Tom and Nathan, thank you for joining us. Cheers. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been the big match preview. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. We'll be back here on Sunday, uh, but we'll uh, we'll see you later.